Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, A Riot in Ephesus, Part 3. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning global audience of unchurched, self-study people, as well as those who are part of a church. For anyone looking for greater depths in God's Word with a stronger personal study, we also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. Our last episode, A Riot in Ephesus, Part 2, was posted on May 14th. Last week, we learned that a riotous behavior was growing stronger and louder, meaning the crowd was becoming a riotous mob. The silversmiths were quite profitable in their day, making it desirous for them to be in this business of creating these silver images. You should note that this not only happened in Ephesus, but in practically all the province of Asia. So clearly, these silversmiths had a really good thing going for them in their day. As well, they did not want to lose the wealthy business they enjoyed. We noted, too, Paul had persuaded and turned away a large crowd, not just in Ephesus, but in practically all of the province of Asia. Paul said that gods made by hands are not gods at all. Unlike today, re-educating yourself frequently was not an option. For these men who made these religious objects, it was the only work they knew how to do in their day. This is why we have a riot in Ephesus. These men saw the great possibility of their trade becoming nothing because so many people in Ephesus were turning to God and no more worshipping the images these men made. Note further, Diana was a celebrated goddess of the heathen. She was one of the twelve superior deities. The most celebrated place of her worship was Ephesus, a city peculiarly dedicated to her. To find out more, listen to our previous episode titled, A Riot in Ephesus, Part 2. This week, our study is titled, A Riot in Ephesus, Part 3. Our study scripture reads, When they heard this, they became enraged and began to shout, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! The city was filled with the uproar, and the crowd rushed to the theater together, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, the Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. But when Paul wanted to enter the public assembly, the disciples would not let him. Even some of the provincial authorities, who were his friends, sent a message to him, urging him not to venture into the theater. So then, some were shouting one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had met together. Some of the crowd concluded it was about Alexander because the Jews had pushed him to the front. Alexander, 
gesturing with his hand, was wanting to make a defense before the public assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! For about two hours. From the book of Acts, chapter 19, verses 28 through 34. In our first verse, we read, When they heard this, they became enraged and began to shout, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. We can also read this as, When they heard this, they became enraged and began to shout, Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Remember, this goddess had more than one name and was known as Artemis, Diana, and more, many more. We should know, too, these enraged people were full of wrath and cried out or began to shout. Commentary tells us further, the design of this clamor was doubtless to produce a persecution against Paul and thus to secure a continuance of their employment. Often, when men have no arguments, they raise a clamor when their employments are in danger of being ruined. They are filled with rage. We may learn also that when men's financial interests are affected, they often show great zeal for religion and expect by clamor in behalf of some doctrine to maintain their own interest and to secure their own gains. From Barnes' New Testament Notes It is quite plain that, as Scripture and Commentary says, Artemis or Diana is still served well among the Ephesians despite a very large conversion of souls. Notice also, often when men have no arguments, they raise a clamor when their employments are in danger of being ruined, they are filled with rage. Today, in America, we have state and or government programs to aid those who may be disadvantaged. One such program is unemployment benefits. We, in America, have paid by paycheck withdrawal for unemployment benefits. It is a part of our total withholdings such as taxes. In the days of the Ephesians, payment and taxes were rendered much differently than they are today. If a person performed a job for someone, the person that job was performed for paid in full for it upon completion. There was no paycheck, private personal check, or credit card involved since they were a long way off in the future even for the first-time use. In the days of the Ephesians, you either had money or you did not. This is why these silversmiths were in such a clamor and enraged. They could see clearly the loss of their trade as silversmiths. That meant also a loss of money. Looking a bit closer at this calamitous riot, as in Philippi, this disturbance did not originate from Jewish sources, but from pagan sources. 
Luke describes the course of it in detail and vividly. He may do this to show that there is not only an inner urge to go to Jerusalem, whereby Ephesus is to be left, but also an outer cause. The disturbance arises about, quote, the way, end quote, with a capital W. By, quote, the way, end quote, is meant the Christian faith that is propagated by those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus. This manifestation of faith is not so much in words as in deeds, in walking the way, capital W, in walking the way of faith. The consistent imitation of the Lord Jesus has completely changed the lives of many in Ephesus. Demetrius notices this in his wallet. Because of many conversions, his business is no longer doing well. The demand for his silver temples drops dramatically. This manifests his deep-rooted hatred against the gospel. The whole system through which he has made fortune is shaky, and so is the prestige that his trade gives him. The temples he makes are dedicated to Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. This mother goddess is the great opposite of the father god of the Bible. We see here the great contrast between the way of Christian faith and paganism. Behind the idols are demonic powers. Behind the idolatry is also the god of the mammon. In Demetrius, money and religion go hand in hand. When he sees his profits dwindling, he responds to the economic decline as a business that affects everyone in the company and also the supplying companies. People of the world cannot be hit harder than when they are deprived of prosperity and the luxury that goes with it. If that happens, there will be uproar. Demetrius appoints Paul as the culprit because he dares to claim their gods are not gods. The temples are therefore not merely souvenirs, but articles of religious significance. Paul's message makes an end to this. Without being aware of it, Demetrius acknowledges in what he means as an accusation to the power of the gospel. The gospel must have been accepted by many if Demetrius can say that the industry is under threat, although he may have exaggerated it, because his images are no longer so popular. Then he skillfully brings forward the waning tribute to, quote, the great goddess Artemis, end quote. In this way, he shifts the attack from the economic to the religious field. There is nothing in which a man is more fanatic than in his religion. If you touch him in that, he becomes out of his mind and is no longer susceptible to any reason. That becomes apparent immediately after his words. They all became furious and delirious, crying out. They declare their solidarity with the Artemis of the Ephesians. 
the whole city becomes full of confusion. From King Comment's Commentary on the Whole Bible That was a fair amount of commentary, giving us quite a bit to examine further. Notice, as in Philippi, this disturbance did not originate from Jewish sources, but from pagan sources. We want to note this so we can better understand who the players are here. We are learning about them and what they did or did not do. The way, capital W, is meant the Christian faith that is propagated by those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus. This manifestation of faith is not so much in words as in deeds in walking the way of faith. To reiterate, the way, capital W, is about the way of the Christian faith that is propagated by those who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus. Notice as well, this manifestation of faith is not so much in words as in deeds in walking the way of faith. This better defines that the, quote, way, end quote, is verbal shorthand for a manifestation of faith that is not so much in words, but is more a manifestation of deeds one performs when walking in the way of Christ. Now, notice this clamor, because that too is important. When their employments are in danger of being ruined, they are filled with rage. As in Philippi, this disturbance did not originate from Jewish sources, but from pagan sources. Further, Demetrius notices this in his wallet. Demetrius is not unlike any of us today. We notice damage to our wallets too and feel many of the same things Demetrius felt in his dwindling income source. Further, because of the many conversions, his business is no longer doing well. The demand for his silver temples drops dramatically. This manifests his deep-rooted hatred against the gospel. The whole system through which he has made fortune is shaky, and so is the prestige that this trade gives him. In Demetrius, money and religion go hand in hand. This is because Demetrius makes his money from religion by his making religious objects. This is one way they go hand in hand. When he sees his profits dwindling, he responds to the economic decline as a business that affects everyone in the company and also the supplying companies. People of the world cannot be hit harder than when they are deprived of prosperity and the luxury that goes with it. If that happens, there will be an uproar. Demetrius appoints Paul as the culprit because he dares to claim that their gods are not gods. 
Without being aware of it, Demetrius acknowledges in what he means as an accusation to the power of the gospel. The gospel must have been accepted by many if Demetrius can say that the industry is under threat, although he may have exaggerated it, because his images are no longer so popular. Can anyone today truly say this has changed? Yes, some new things, like unemployment benefits, have been added to the equation, but unemployment benefits do not last as long as one might need them to last. When these benefits run out, what does a person do? One may become like Demetrius, whether saved in Christ or not. Moving forward, the city was filled with the uproar, and the crowd rushed to the theater together, dragging with them Gaius and Aristarchus, the Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. Who was Gaius and Aristarchus? Again, to know the players, they were Macedonians who were Paul's traveling companions. Gaius, he had lived at Corinth and had kindly entertained Paul at his house. Aristarchus, he attended Paul to Rome and was there a prisoner with him. Now, the theaters of the Greeks were not only places of public exhibitions, but also for holding assemblies, and often for courts, elections, etc. The people, therefore, naturally rushed there as being a suitable place to decide this matter. All three quotes from Barnes' New Testament notes. But when Paul wanted to enter the public assembly, the disciples would not let him. Observe here, one, the undaunted courage of St. Paul in the cause of Christ. He resolves to adventure his life by going into the theater, there to make an apology for himself and his companions, and in defense of the Christian religion. He did not account his life dear unto him, but was willing not only to be bound, but to die for the name of Jesus. Observe, secondly, how the divine providence is to be admired and awfully adored in directing to ways and means for the apostles' preservation in this time of imminent danger. God now made use of the advice, not only of the apostles' fast friends or by foes, for he can make enemies become benefactors at his pleasure and command deliverance for his people, sometimes by opposite and contrary means. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Notice Paul and this situation where he is not permitted to go into the theater and speak to the angry crowd. In the theater, in order to have preached to the people and to have removed their prejudice against him and the gospel preached by him and to have shown them the error and evil of their idolatrous ways and worship, and to have reconciled them to him and his friends, and to have persuaded them 
to do them no hurt, which shows the apostle's greatness of soul, his firmness, constancy, and intrepidity, and his great concern and affection for his companions to risk his life in this manner. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Notice what Paul is willing to do for his friends. He wants to persuade them to do them no harm, which shows the apostle's greatness of soul, his firmness, constancy, and intrepidity, and his great concern and affection for his companions to risk his life in this manner. Is there any friend you have that would risk their life for you in like manner? Would you risk your life like Paul was willing to do for any of your friends? Notice further, the believers, the members of the church at Ephesus, would by no means agree to it, but dissuaded him from it, who hereby, on their part, showed great love to him, and what a value they had for him, and how much they esteemed the life of so great an apostle and faithful preacher of the gospel. From the New John Gill's Exposition of the Entire Bible. Do you have friends like that who would willingly intervene for you in a similar situation as they did for Paul? These four questions raised here before and after John Gill's comments tell us something about our church body we may attend if they would be pressed in a similar situation. Would there be pause before saying they will not help you? Here in America, this is a very likely scenario. Many people here call you friend until they really need to be a friend. Then, without any warning, you suddenly have no friends. Do we, today, define friend as the dictionary does, or has it become a euphemism? The response to this situation that Paul wanted to enter into deepens. Even some of the provincial authorities who were his friends sent a message to him urging him not to venture into the theater. Notice, Paul is being told by not only the group of people who are his friends, but he is being urgently told not to venture into the theater by mostly unsaved provincial authorities who also were his friends. We can further notice some definition of what we are reading about. These were persons who presided over sacred things and over the public games. It was their business to see that the proper services of religion were observed and that proper honor was rendered to the Roman emperor in the public festivals, at the games, etc. They were annually elected, and their election was confirmed at Rome before it was valid. They held a common council at the principal city within their province, as at Ephesus, Smyrna, Sardis, etc., to consult 
and deliberate about the interests committed to their charge in their various provinces. Cunell and Sluisner. Probably they were assembled on such an occasion now, and during their remaining there they had heard Paul preach and were friendly to his views and doctrines. It does not appear from this that they were Christian converts, but they probably had feelings of respect towards him and were disposed to defend him and his cause. Perhaps, also, there might have existed a present acquaintance and attachment. From Barnes' New Testament Notes Do you have such friends in the unsaved community of today? Is it clear that in Paul's day he had such friends in the unsaved community of peoples? That says a lot about Paul. Today, what does it say about us if we are not like Paul in this regard? Getting back to our riotous assembly. So then, some were shouting one thing, some another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had met together. Have you ever been in such a place of confusion? I have in more than one business setting. Angry people, confused people, and others that had no idea why they gathered. This is very unpleasant to deal with, especially if you are the one trying to gain order from such confusion. American workplaces get this way from time to time. Work strikes can result if no resolve can be found. Our Bibles read further. Some of the crowd concluded it was about Alexander because the Jews had pushed him to the front. Alexander, gesturing with his hand, was wanting to make a defense before the public assembly. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, they all shouted in unison, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians for about two hours. Does that not sound like today's protests? When people go on strike and yell as they sometimes block entry to the workplace? Can you see the parallels here? While different in many ways, yet not at all unlike what we see today as well. The motivations are very similar, if not identical, in some cases. The means, however, may well be very different because of the differences in society over the timeline we are observing. We people of today do identify this as tribulation since we associate that word with more severe happenings. However, the meaning of tribulation, severe affliction, distresses of life, vexations, in Scripture, it often denotes the troubles and distresses which proceed from persecution. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English. Maybe this puts some insight into your own situation. Many of the people we are reading about, could they be found in tribulation, given its meaning? Next week, 
we will finish our study with our episode, A Riot in Ephesus, Part 4. We will see how the crowd is brought to their senses and what happens in this process. Hopefully, as well, this study will help answer some of the questions surrounding this issue of tribulation. To learn more, join us next week. Play or download our episodes from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. We greatly appreciate our audience. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners, followers, and new listeners. Thank you all so much. We are very pleased to serve a diverse international audience. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome and God bless you. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. Find our website at https colon forward slash forward slash the church of the unchurched dot o r g. Please type the church of the unchurched as a single word with no hyphens in unchurched. Our Bible, tablet, and desktop-compliant website has more information, links to many of our podcast platforms under the podcast menu item. We are found on podcast platforms like iTunes, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Spotify, to name a few. We refresh all our feeds with every weekly episode upload on Sundays, East Coast Time, USA. These sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh. Our RSS feed is syndicated on many popular podcast RSS feed platforms. Find us on a preferred platform to follow us as we continue to grow. Now, to him who is able to strengthen you, to the only wise God, through Jesus Christ, be glory forever. Amen. Until next week, this is Pastor John for the Church of the Unchurched.